And now another episode of Mind Escape with Michael and Maurice. Take it away, Michael. All right, folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Uh, we have episode number 65 today. Uh, are we alone in the universe with our uh, with our new buddy uh, Matt Tiller? Uh, hey, you, can, you, can check, you can check us out at uh, Mike and Maurice Mind uh, Also, check us out at uh, patreon.com slash Mike and Maurice. Uh, without further ado, Matt Tiller, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, everybody? What's up, guys? Uh, thanks for having me on. No problem. No problem. It's a pleasure. We haven't done a uh, a good uh, alien or extraterrestrial life one in a while, so I thought it would be. Uh, I saw what you're doing. I like your videos on your uh, thanks Tiller for Riller channel. Everybody yeah. check that out. I'll put the link in the uh, bio. Um, but um, why don't you give us a little bit of bit background, like how you got into this, kind of what you're doing with it, if you have like a um, a path you're headed down the, you know, book or movie or just something along those lines. Sure. Um, I think like most, most people who get involved into, um, in this topic or subject matter, the interest started when I was a kid. I remember going to the public library with my dad wandering along the aisles. And I found this, uh, section about ghosts and haunted houses. Um, and right beside that, you know, you've got books about uh, Bigfoot and books about aliens and UFOs. And just in, in, in reading all of these books, I eventually got to the, the extraterrestrial um, alien type of books. And it totally sparked my curiosities. That was the first thing. The second thing was um, the TV show Unsolved Mysteries hosted by Robert uh-huh. Stack, who has like such a, just a gripping voice, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> he, yeah, <it's... laughs> yeah. <laughs> he could, that man, I swear, um, he could read "Twas the night before Christmas and you would be like in like almost in tears of fear. Yeah. You know? You'd be scared of Christmas <laughs> from that point. <laughs> on. Like the most chilling story ever. Uh, but you know, it, it was an interest for a long time, but the defining point, for me, I think was uh, the New York Times report on December uh, December sixteenth, two thousand seventeen. Um, you know, it it was it was a game changer. It's it's almost like well, you you know, being a musician, um, you know that people sometimes refer to music as being like uh, before Beatles or after Beatles, but because right. the Beatles had such an impact on on rock music, so it was it's almost like the study of, of the phenomenon is uh, kind of like divided between the before New York Times report and after New York Times report. So what got me involved into this professionally was simply that I kept trying to find ways to explain this to people and they didn't really want to hear it. I, when it people, was a, people still demiss, but by the way, oh, yeah. the, the report you're talking about in the New York Times, and then they mm-hmm. had it was a you know hit CNN and Fox News and all. Mm-hmm. Um, people what were like interested for like a day or two, and then it just mm-hmm. it's like the media, the the cycle, you know, just turned over so quickly, like everything else. And people, totally. you know, if you're not paying attention, then you don't know, you know, is that the reports that. with all those the, the footage of the ships and stuff? Yeah. Um, these, okay. Yeah. Uh, go fast. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Nimble, um, yeah go fast. Let's see, the All the forward-looking thing. infrared videos that they had. Yeah. Um, and uh, in 
one of my more more recent videos on YouTube, I actually cited this this New York Times article about the photo of the black hole. Um, last night, I, was, I actually saw Neil deGrasse Tyson speak in Charlotte, and he had a, a picture on screen of th this exact same photo. He says, in the near future, we're going to see some um, re-imaging, some like higher definition, and we'll be able to tell more about the black hole in this picture, which was um, taken with a lot, lot of different telescopes all around Earth to produce a composite image. Anyways, yeah, people can't believe this, but they can't believe the the New York Times report about um, you know glow, glowing auras and black money, the Pentagon secret UFO program, even though they cite um, you know studies and and programs that were backed by science. If you research the names of these programs, even though they're backed by scientific information as well, people can can believe this New York Times report, but they can't believe the other one. Um, and I think it goes back into just that, you know, people, people, we can accept this now, but you know, uh, 50 years ago, science would have laughed at this and they would have said, no, that that's a bunch of BS. There's no way we don't even have any proof for black holes. What are you talking about? Until Stephen Hawking came, you know, and really, I mean, they had talked about black holes before Stephen Hawking, but he, he really like honed in on it, uh, did a lot of research and stuff. And sadly, you know, <laughs> Uh, we were not able to prove, well, there was no physical proof of, of Einstein's gravitational waves until after he died. And now there was like no actual, like really, I mean, we did have physical proof of black holes, but there was no like photographic evidence of it until after Stephen Hawking has passed away. It's too sad, you know? Yeah. 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 Anyway. Although he was a skeptic himself, right? He kept, I mean, he kept flip-flopping, but I think he... Mm -hmm. um, who somebody donated a ton of money to when he died to the uh, SETI uh, program, right? To so, something to that effect. I, yeah, he and um, I don't remember the guy's name. I, I want to say he was a um, a wealthy man from Russia. Yeah, uh, went in together and were trying to discover extraterrestrial life within like twenty years time or so. So you know, every now and then it's like there's this push, you know, people are, are reaching out for this, reaching out for that, or you'll see it. in, um, I mean, even Neil deGrasse Tyson, uh, will not rule out the possibility there's, there's life somewhere else in the universe, but he does dismiss it. Cause like I've watched him on like Joe Rogan where Joe Rogan's asking yeah. him questions or, uh, where he's very candid and he just kind of like moves along the conversation. He almost doesn't want to talk about it. So, yeah, I, I think he doesn't want to say that we've been visited by the extraterrestrials. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you why, why I personally think he doesn't want to do that, but it's, it's almost like people are, are okay with the belief that there might be life out there, but they're not comfortable with entertaining the belief that we've been visited by those extraterrestrials mm -hmm. if they're coming here to earth um, that's exactly what we're doing we're sending stuff out there if we could go to other places we'd ought to be out there like we're going to the grocery store you know most definitely i think that that um the but then i think it is, is that but is that so sorry to cut you off but is that do you think though when we look at this i mean i fall victim to this too where we look at it from the point of view of what we know 
So like on another planet, and I think I heard you talk about this and I've th- we've talked about this on our mm-hmm. podcast before on one of your videos, you talk about, it could have been a methane planet where they breathe, you know, like we wouldn't know what the structures of these other beings were because we only know what we know based on what we are, you know? So Exactly. Um, that's called earth bias. And I, I, am getting that from Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm sorry. That's like, it's like on my mind because it was just not, not no, no. Funny. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I like them. I, I, but I, oh, I just, too, yeah. I just, I, sometimes when I hear him say things, it's like, come on, bro. You're that's, yeah. you know? Yeah. He did. Um, he, I, I actually wrote it down, uh, earth bias. He was talking about, um, the, the Martian asteroid in 1996, that there was this uh, asteroid found and someone um, wanted to analyze a pocket of the air from this asteroid. And they very, very carefully, pardon me, um, were, were able to, um, I don't know if it was like a needle or something, they extracted the, the air, an air bubble, air pocket from inside this asteroid. And they analyzed it, and it was the atmosphere from Mars, like exactly an exact match. It, they knew it did not; it didn't originate from Earth. It didn't look like Earth rocks. So, in analyzing this asteroid, they find a, a very, very small uh, little um, microbial, you know, thing. Right. And uh, they, it looks like a little worm or like a bacteria or something. I mean, it looks like my, microbial life. Sure. So he says that he was on a TV show and um, there was like a philosopher and a geologist and then he himself and they're being interviewed and asked about this, this asteroid. So he says first the philosopher was on and his <laughs> thing was, how do we know? the rocks themselves are not alive. So he said, after we got done with that, you know, but, but I understand what the guy is saying. I mean, there, there's, there's yeah. some thought involved. I there's mean, those, uh, I, I think well, we only know like, like 5% of all living organisms or some crazy amount. Well, put that yeah. aside, you know, like there's people like Rupert Sheldrick, who's very, mm-hmm. you know, He's a, he's a, got a good perspective on it. And I think he's got the morphic resonance um, hypothesis mm-hmm. too, that there's memory built into stuff too. Um, yes. And, and there's these also, I don't know if anybody's seen these things. I don't know. I, f- I forget what they're called. Um, it starts with an A. They're these rocks that grow because what happens is it rains and the material, the uh, minerals bind together and they form these balls almost like uh, you ever seen those like balls in uh puerto rico and stuff those like cement balls or stone yeah. balls so okay so, yeah so i i was actually thinking the other day that could probably be what those are is just the, this process that happens it's in romania right. anybody can look it up it's these these this the way that these minerals react with the water they grow these balls and they roll around almost like they're alive yeah. in a weird way cool. but they're not so that's I pretty mean, neat yeah um there's uh i I don't, I'm not sure about Puerto Rico. I do know in Costa Rica there. The oh, awesome. that's what I meant. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's yeah. No, it's okay. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I've I've been there, and seen them. That's a, another topic that we could uh, we could you know d- d- develop. That's th- there's a lot of information behind that as well. Um, well he said that uh, the uh, the the geologist was up next, and he says definitively not. It's impossible. You know this this thing cannot be alive. It can't. And he says it's because it couldn't survive 
this and that, and it can't be this. And it's only like a one tenth of a something. It's like extremely small. And you know, he just goes on and on. And then Neil deGrasse Tyson is like, we, we don't know. It could be, he said, you know, everything you've just said is because is what we know on earth. He says it's an earth bias. And a, a lot of people tend to, to think that way. So, I mean, how, how else could we not? Um, yeah, going back to the video about like, you know, saying they they breathe methane. Well, breathing itself is something we understand because of earth. Right. And I challenge myself sometimes. There's a little, little game I play with myself if I'm bored or if I'm driving a long trip or something. I try to imagine like uh, <clears throat> what life would be like for an intelligent civilization or even, you know, just like regular organic life, like animals and plants on a planet that has nothing to do with earth, nothing to do with our solar system, nothing to do with our galaxy. What would that be like? And this, the thing is every single thing I can think of is all based on earth. Everything. Do they see different colors? Colors are because of earth. Would their body organs be different? Body organs are because of earth. It's like, there's, there's literally, I have not found a way yet to describe life anywhere that cannot be related to earth in some way. And it's a huge puzzle, man, but it's, it's, uh, it's very, very challenging. I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to answer it one day. I, I have no other knowledge to, to base that creativity on, you know? Right. Yeah. It's like, well, we're first of all we're, we're tailored to to be alive on this planet, you know, mm -hmm. based on evolution. Yeah. But then yeah. the other thing is, is um, it's the same thought process. I don't know if I do this. This is the one I do is trying to think of nothingness or like being dead. Like, what would that, mm -hmm. you know? Because you hear some people have near death experiences. There's heaven. It's beautiful. Everything's awesome. Yeah. And there's other people that have near death experiences where it's they say it's pure nothingness or, or darkness and then they just come back you know mm -hmm. so <clears throat> you know it's the same kind of a concept but yeah, yeah you can only you can only see what you what, what you've been you know been yeah, yeah to see true. you know uh-huh there's um no, nothingness is very good uh that I, I like that i've tried that as well even nothingness is still something, though. That's the problem. You were literally, I mean, meditation might be the only or the closest way that I've gotten to to what that, it would be. That's true. Um, I would add to that that uh, I believe th thinking about nothingness is is still something. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I don't know if you're familiar with it, with a book called um, A Universe from Nothing by uh, Dr. Lawrence and Krauss. It's, um, yeah, I'm not a... It's he's, okay. He's no, he's one of the ones that like I, I heard him on Rogan, and I I usually check out people's books if it's you know mm -hmm. like uh, Homo Sapiens, you know, or different, you know, when I hear people on his mm -hmm. podcast. But yeah. for that that one, just his complete materialistic um, reductionist view on things was just very off putting. Yeah, it was. Um, and I know you're talking the part where he was trying about nothing, you know. Yeah, it was chapter ten. the The entire book. Well, okay. First of all, it, it, for anyone who wants to read the book, I freaking Spoilers. love. Spoilers. Yeah. No, he's a smart yeah. guy, and I wasn't. But I was just. I just don't yeah. personally. He's like a Richard Dawkins. I don't like Richard Dawkins. And he, yeah, he's, yeah. That I think there's a, there's a, a a time and a place for that school of thought, but 
it is by no means the end all be all. And I, I, anyways, he, I love the way the band opens the book. Lawrence M. Krauss opens the book in the, with the biggest line of swagger. I freaking love it. It starts off. It was a dark and stormy night. And then he goes on with the regular science with the whole like, you know, 11 chapters. And I was like, dude, that's freaking hysterical. That's awesome. <laughs> because if I had my, if I had worked my way up the scientific ladder and, to, and professionality to be able to write my own book like that, I would totally start off with, it was a dark and stormy night. It's just, it was just, I found it funny. Anyways. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways. Um, chapter 10. Uh, huge letdown. This is just my personal opinion. Uh, it's a, the book is called a universe from nothing. Why there's something rather than nothing. I was literally hoping to be able to learn something. And I, I did, I learned a lot of things. I, he never answered that question because according to him in chapter 10, uh, the reason we have something rather than nothing is because nothingness is unstable. No, it's not because it's nothing. You just personified nothingness, man. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, essentially that's what he did. It's, uh, you know, and I, I hate to be like plugging myself here, but back to, uh, that's what science is without philosophy though. That's why you need both in my opinion to get anywhere. Yeah, totally. It, in my, one of my most recent videos, I talked about like, you know, the, the, the personification and the theory of mind and things like that. So you're like, you're, you're giving a human quality or at least an adjective of instability to nothing. He spent like nine chapters explaining to us what nothingness is. There's no measurement. There's no weight. There's no temperature. There's no distance. There's nothing. Absolutely nothing. So it can't be unstable because there's nothing to be unstable. Right. You know, a huge letdown, man. So I read chapter 11 out of obligation because I bought the book. Threw it right in the garbage. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, if I, I wanted I, to listen to somebody that smart that was a reduction, I would listen to Brian Cox. I know Maurice hates him, but no, I don't uh, hate him. Oh, these guys all have little tidbits of information you can. Yeah, pull yeah. From I, I like uh, he does a lot of cool. But Brian, the thing about Brian Cox is he's willing to at least talk about the other side and debate it. You know, like I just felt like Lawrence was like putting he he basically called people that believed in religions like idiots and stuff like even yeah. Joe Rogan, who's an atheist himself was like, Whoa, bro. You know, like it's, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, so, so uh, I, that's just, I just don't like people that are so convinced one way that, cause we literally don't know shit. We can only perceive 5% of the universe because of True. dark energy and dark matter. Mm-hmm. And just to sit there and say, Oh, we know this because of this. It's like, no, you know, and I understand what science is, and they do test after test, scientific uh, scientific method, and then you know it gets peer reviewed and all that. So I, I get it. I'm not saying mm-hmm. your work isn't valid. I'm just saying it's lit- it's merely an observation of the re- the reaches that we can go with our brain and our uh, perceptions. So that's true. It, it's really hard to break away from even like a a professional scientific bias. You know, I mean, I understand. Things have to be peer reviewed, but if you're only accepting people into those positions that agree with your viewpoints anyways, right? you know, I mean, a true peer review from a, a paper that's going to research atheism, for example, I mean, would, would you include like a uh, creationism scientific board or something? I mean, just a, a question. 
Um, I don't, I don't know that much about. I mean, I feel like you're open minded too. I mean, we're pretty open minded yeah, in the sense that I, I'm willing to accept if they go tomorrow. Like we know for sure, based yeah. on these circumstances, and, and we won't because it would take I, to to, I, to figure out the whole universe first. But if they were to say that, I would accept it. If there uh -huh. was, you know, empirical cool. data. Well, yeah, of course. Um, this is the I, I used to be atheist. And uh, it was actually a, another atheist that brought me back into believing that there's there's something more out there that there probably is a god, you know. Um, so <laughs> this is how it went down. I was talking with an atheist counselor actually because I kept, you know, I kept going back and forth on like atheism to agnosticism, atheism to agnosticism, and then you you read books like the one I grabbed off my shelf is by Raymond Moody. Uh, glimpses of eternity and he he's the guy that coined the term near-death experience yeah, um, life after life yeah exactly so this is about this book is actually about shared death experiences and it's where people who are alive um actually witness someone going through a near-death experience or crossover and so there's there's like empirical evidence at least from you know eyewitness testimony and there's you know other measurements and things like that as well yeah, we have Dr. Um, Penny Sartori, who uh, who's in that field as well, on our cool, podcast, yeah, and she, same oh, thing. Yeah. She she was at mm -hmm. uh, you know the end of life with a lot of these people and saw some crazy stuff. You know what they were yeah, kind of going re on, reaching um, out and hugging people as they're you know stuff like that. So. That's too cool, man. I love that. Um, well, the uh, counselor said to me this. Uh, she said, "You know, a true, honest atheist cannot say." there is no God because no one could ever know. And I'm like, what do you mean? You know, she's like, well, there's, there's, there's no way to know. I mean, people believe that there, that there is a God because of this or this, but th there's no, there's no, there's no God to say I'm not real. And if there were a God to say I'm not real, then the, he would be real. And an atheist, if all of a sudden there was an announcement that said, you know, God's going to be on the six o'clock news, tune in for an interview, then an atheist would not be atheist anymore. And they would believe that there is a God. And um, she said, what an atheist says, if an atheist will be honest with themselves, is um, given all the evidence that I have, I do not believe that mm -hmm. there is a God. Right. To which my response was, well, <laughs> given the evidence I have, I do believe. Right. Um, you know, I respect and, that, though. I mean, that, I respect that um, far more than like them <laughs> becoming uh you know, a lot of those people are just as e evangelical about that as religious people, mm -hmm. you know, so. Yeah, yeah that, that's true. Yeah, you know, and, you know, I, I just like you, um, I respect anyone who holds a belief that they've they've researched it, they've studied mm -hmm. it, and they know for themselves. And, man, I have all the respect in the world for that because that's a person that's not just going to accept, like, circumstantial evidence or mm -hmm. surface-level evidence or they're not going to just do things because that's what they've been told or that's what they've been taught they've actually research <laughs> there you go yeah exactly man. Yeah. <laughs> well man yeah um yeah this uh it's a good talk we're getting into i think the i think our dividing point was uh, somewhere around neil degrasse tyson yeah and, yeah well, that's okay that's okay i love this um but yeah he um um i think his views kind of reflect a lot of things like from society. It's like people, 
used to not not be comfortable with saying that there were there were other civilizations out there in the universe or even in our solar system it was like no no and it was basically on for from people's like religious beliefs or or whatever they they think that their religious beliefs are supposed to be based on what they've been told and now people seem to be a little bit more comfortable with saying yeah there might be or oh yeah there probably is but and no one wants to say that they've come here this is my opinion why based on people like conversations i've had things i've read and things i've observed you know with a background in psychology and stuff first i think the the biggest thing is um an internal sense of control everyone needs to to have that everyone needs to have a like a sense of autonomy and security and with all of the you know cases and reports of people saying they've been abducted or they've been taken or they've had an implant or they've been scarred or or whatever it may be that scares people so saying or believing or admitting or 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 allowing that idea to enter your mind as a possibility comes with all of that fear that the person has attached to what that means so and then i think about it this is where i like actually feel some compassion for people think about someone who was like abused or something you know when they were a kid you have the same thing you've got you're you're powerless um you know you're being mistreated or 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 hit or you know scratched or or uh, even like verbally it's an imbalance of control so it's a bullying situation essentially it's a power struggle in which something that you have no control over is is controlling you in a bad way and it's scary so yeah i i don't i i feel like compassion for people in that situation which is one thing i keep in mind when i'm doing videos is i don't want to scare anyone and i'm trying real hard to like reduce the fear another thing that in my opinion goes in with like the internal sense of control are religious beliefs because if you really think about just life on earth no we don't have the guarantee that we're not going to be invaded other countries around the world don't have the guarantee they're not going to be invaded by us. I mean, crap, dude, like, you know, Bill Clinton, uh, uh, under his administration, I know it wasn't like he himself. Um, they, our in, intelligence told us that there was like a, a bomb factory or a weapons factory somewhere. And I believe it was a country in Africa. I don't remember the name of the country. They bombed it. They were making medicines like pharmaceuticals, Tylenol, ibuprofen, and things like that. All of a sudden, it's, you know, blown oh, up. Oh, I'm sure that kind of stuff happens all the time. Oh, it does. Same. It does. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's the, it's a weird thing, though, because you have to find because yeah. there are people doing fucked up shit yeah. that's, that's yeah. you know, hurting a lot of people, you know, and then there's, you know, yeah. it's a weird thing. Even those people that do that to their own people and whatever, those yeah. people still have a stable country. So it's like one of those weird things where it's like, it's going to be bad either way, you know. Totally. And that's the, those types of fears that we already understand. Like we, we can conceptualize what it's like for a country to invade another. We understand warfare. We understand mistreatment. We understand imbalance of power. And those are our fears. And so when we entertain the idea of 
another civilization coming to us, we kind of throw those fears onto this idea. And then that's why we like, we feel like we instantly know, oh, if they're more powerful than us, then they are bad and or they're going to do bad things to us. And that's not necessarily the case. Then the opposite, which is what I'm going to focus on in my, in my next video, at least in part, is positivity. Because you think about, you know, if you're, if you're more advanced, you're not like violence is like brutal and for a brute mind and why it's, it's much more enlightening and intelligent to, to be positive and to be happy and to meditate and want to help other people. And I agree with that from what, from what I understand, I agree. I, I do think that it is more intelligent and more beneficial for someone to be enlightened and want to enlighten other people and help other people. However, we have no freaking clue. <laughs> right. What again, earth bias, all of those things are earth bias, positive and negative war and peace are all concepts. I understand because of my life on earth. So, <laughs> I want to jump into something here because right to sure. this point, everything we've been talking about is physical. Mm -hmm. um, and personally, based on everything I've researched, right? I've read, watched every documentary, you know, there's dumber ones than other ones, but, you know, I've definitely seen a lot of stuff and just from doing this podcast and reading books and um, I, my own personal experiences, you know, when I was younger, I did some psychedelics and, um, you know, now I meditate, you know, but I've definitely touched into some sort of metaphysical thing that, yeah, it could be endogenous chemicals in my brain, you know, swirling around creating this stuff or whatever. I, you know, I'm, I'm open to that idea, but I do think that when it comes to like extraterrestrials and stuff, why, if you're going to travel somewhere, why take an actual ship there? You know, like why not, yeah. you know, if you could communicate without talking, you know, why wouldn't you be able to do that over long distances via, you know, I, 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 I assume we still, um, are under the guise that we, you know, we don't know quantum entanglement, like what it is exactly. So I couldn't you use that in theory to communicate with some other um, civilization or um, beings or whatever. So just, you know, that being said, I, do you think that there's something to the whole consciousness thing in the, in the way that it interacts with this stuff? Or do you think that it's too early to tell? Um, we haven't done enough research. What's your opinion on that? Uh, personally, yeah, I, I think you're right on the money. That yeah, there is there is a um, a connection to consciousness. There was a, a um, I don't remember the the man's name. He was from India, and uh, he had a, his documentary or speech or whatever that he gave was called the Quantum Activist, and essentially he was saying that the solution to the the unifying theory of everything that we so like intently desire to to figure out is that it's not that matter births consciousness but rather that consciousness births matter mm -hmm. and this was back in man it could be as far back as 2010 or it could be like 2011 2012 sometime in that time frame it's when i saw the that documentary on netflix and i 
thought about that a lot. Um, then you've also got, so I'm, I'm going to throw out some points and see if we can connect the dots here. Here are just like some, some things I've noticed here. Okay. Uh, Hal put off a uh, super cool guy. I uh, had the privilege of meeting him briefly one time. He's, he's, a, he's a really nice guy. I, I like, yeah. I like, he's done a lot of uh, research with uh, like oil remote viewing. You know, yeah, and he was the, just in that documentary, yeah. uh, Third Eye Spies, that just came out. Oh, awesome. Cool. With Russell um, Targ and all those guys. That's correct. There's, um, oh, wait, oh, Russell Targ. Uh, Russell Targ's an older guy, right? Yeah, I mean, they're both, I mean, Hal Putoff's pretty old. They were at the Stanford Research Institute at the same time in the 70s, so I think they're probably yeah. is, 70s or... Is Russell, Targ, is Russell Targ the guy that came out with the app called ESP Trainer? Yeah, yeah, actually, I think. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. That that's a fun app. <laughs> I've never used yeah. it, but I remember. Give it a plug, some, baby. Yeah. I remember yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um. ESP trainer. Yeah. It's uh. They say if or on, on the app it says if you're if you consistently score a certain number, um, you know, repetitively to contact the app developer, which I think <laughs> is pretty cool. Like, wow. <laughs> you're gonna get okay. swooped up. Uh, yeah, that would that'd be pretty awesome. The grooming <laughs> people for this uh it's like an old school government facility. It's like an old school they yeah. throw a hood over your head and throw you in a van. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And go get the fuck out of here. Oh, grab yeah. the Cheetos. Crazy man. Oh man. Yeah. It's um so there's that. Um the, the, the quantum activist with like essentially basic basically he's saying like the, the god is consciousness and from, from the mind of God, all this this matter births up. So there's 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 that with the consciousness being like the reason there's life in the in the universe. Then with Hal's research, you're using your thought, or maybe I've described it like maybe your in your intuition. We all have a certain degree of intuition. Um, some people are more intuitive than others. Maybe that's an explanation of how people can do like remote viewing or telepathic, you know, communication. That's probably one um, of my better ones, right? Because I guess I'll be watching a, a show or a movie with my wife. I'll I'll guess the ending before. And it, some of them are stupid and easy to guess, yeah. but then some of them are like like I've done it with uh, Black Mirror, actually with Maurice. I was sitting there when he's yeah. like, "Guess this one," and I guess he's like, "That's pretty." It was it was within like a couple details off, you know. That's neat. That's good, man. That's really good. Uh, there's that, and um, the a big one for me was uh was tom uh delong on uh fade to black with jimmy church when he was talking about there, there were there were two points in the interview one was around like uh does god wear birkenstocks or something to that effect there was this, <laughs> it's this issue about that they were talking about the, the nature of god and then tom's background you know his, his mom being very involved in protestant christianity and then him touring with, with Blink and kind of breaking away, and then and then kind yeah, of yeah, see the books over later. your shoulder, yeah. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I've got tons of books, man. I've Have you got, read uh, "Is God's Man of War" up there? Yeah, volume one. That's yeah, the. I, I mean, I like his his the fiction. I, I look. Yeah. I, I I'm not gonna lie. I read the books. Uh, I know there's a yeah. lot of people out there that don't like his stuff. I thought the mm-hmm. the fiction was good, and I thought. The nonfiction was good, but it was just kind of a regurgitation of a lot of stuff that we already kind of knew, you know. Yeah, I I think so. Um, I also think that um, except for this Greek, what what do you what's your take on the the Greek um, uh, 
Oh, with the, the Roswell? Greek, no, just the Greek gods thing. And um, oh. he, he talks about in the interviews, he's alluded to it a couple, in a couple times and mm-hmm. something about, you know, maybe Atlantis mixed with some uh, break off civilization that's been watching us for a long time or something along those lines. But he alluded to like the Greek gods <laughs> or something. Um, you know, if, if they're connecting the dots in the right way, it makes perfect sense. Um, but I just, um, I mean, I, I really, I have regarding the ancient past, it, it's, it's up for interpretation. Anyone that does their research and wants to prove something here or there, um, pretty much has free reign to do it as long as you've got enough supporting evidence. So I think in my personal opinion, you know, after having read the books and knowing a lot about ancient cultures, religious beliefs, um, civilizations and things like that from my own personal studies and, and college studies as well. I think that, that their, their research is sound that their the evidence they bring, sorry, the evidence, no, no they, the evidence they bring to the table of discussion is sound and it's credible. Their writing is sound. It's all very believable. Um, the only thing I would like to see more of is uh, how they they traced the the path of human migration through a, a virus or or the way viruses like evolved. It wasn't necessarily like um, how would like the Genographic Project, which was a collaboration between National Geographic and IBM, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. They were looking for mutations on um, the the X and Y chromosomes. Started with the Y with the with the Y chromosome, I believe, and they traced human migration back. You know, basically everyone goes back to Africa at, at some point, but they were tracing um, a different path through the. The, the mutations or the evolution of, of, of viruses or a certain virus or a group of viruses, the details escape me. But it went back to an area um, between Indonesia and the Philippines. Oh, it's the, the, the Jovian Sea, the Javan Sea. It starts with a yeah, J. Java. Ja, maybe it's the Java. Well, there was sea. like Java. Java Man was like a, one of the um, mm-hmm. our ancestors that they found. I wish I don't have it's, it's a lot of information to memorize. I wish I just knew it off the top of my head. I, I'm familiar with it. I just don't remember the exact. And that's where they found the little hobbit hominid. Yeah. The, um, uh, what's it? Homo floresiensis. Yeah. The, the hot. Yeah. You're, you're exactly right. That was in Indonesia, actually. Yeah. Um, this is an area that's underwater now, but oh, basically okay. they're saying that that's where Atlantis was. Like Sundaland area, the Sundaland shelf. Yeah. That, that's it. Okay, yeah. so yeah, that that connected uh, the mm-hmm. the tip of the bottom of Indonesia kind of mm-hmm. to where Australia was at at a certain point, but there was still like some uh, yeah, land bridge, a canal right? in between. Mm-hmm. You still would have had to do yeah, but it was a land bridge in the sense that it would have been an easy boat ride or something. Yeah, along canoe, a canoe yeah. away. Yeah, and I, honestly, man, like who who you know, there are certain things we can understand about the ancient past, but and then there are things that totally baffle us. I mean, how many times has has science hypothesized something and they're partially right, but not completely right. Right. And I don't think that scientists are embarrassed about that. I mean, that shouldn't be seen as a failure in any respect. 
Um, if if in the name of science we make an educated guess or a hypothesis, a hypothesis and we're wrong, so be it. Pick up and keep learning. So it's very possible that that there was some type of civilization there. If yeah. um, you know, it's, it's it's definitely a possibility. I would just like to see more research on that, not just one. Well, um, I think you don't see it though because it's it's such a considered a fringe thing that mm-hmm. whoever's well, yeah. giving the grants or these universities aren't going to fund somebody to go uh, do that stuff. And actually, today, right now, you're more likely to get a grant for psychedelic um, research than you are ancient civilization to possibly alter the timeline like i'm reading uh graham hancock's america before right now um Mm -hmm. and he makes a pretty compelling case against the clovis first uh model in america which was what we knew as the first people in america in new mexico area so um yeah you know to be honest with you i think that you're right i think it's one of those things where we just don't know enough and we're basing, mm-hmm. you know, like I, when I think about history, even though I've done all the research I've done to, to know that there's a lot of holes and a lot of potentially different timelines happening, I still think of it as like how I learned it in school, you know, cause mm-hmm. maybe it's from learning it in that impressionable age, but you still kind of look at it. This, this like, you know, I think John Anthony West used to call it the church of progression that, you know, this scientific model is literally under the assumption that everything's consistently gotten better, which I'm sure it has in in some ways, but maybe not in other ways, you know? So, Oh yeah, totally. Um, it's hard to, to measure progress in very fine details. You have to back up and look at the entire picture of, of anything. I mean, uh, America, are we better off than we were, you know, 200 years ago? Of course. Yes. But not in every single way, but overall, Yeah. yeah, overall, I think we are. Yeah. I think we've lost our spirit. You don't even have to be religious, but I think you should have some sort of spirituality, whether it's just to be alive or whatever the case may be. I mean, we're living, breathing magic. And Mm -hmm. if there's no faith or hope in some sort of other greater thing, then you're just living like a drone, basically. Yeah, you're absolutely right, man, which is why they we have like atheist churches popping up. I mean, like literally like, you know, they're churches, but they're they're atheists. So they're doing all the the things a typical church would, would want to do like community service or raising money for a cause or something like that. But without the, the belief in God, it's just like an inward, like good, good, goodwill toward, towards. Right. Yeah. So I, yeah. So back to Tom DeLong though, cause I, I like this topic mm-hmm. because yeah, yeah. I, I think it's one of those very, you got 50% of the people that want to believe or love it. And then you got 50% of the people, Oh, I've been doing this a long time. I don't, you know, I don't believe in this. This is stupid. It's just another, you know, book deal or movie deal or whatever. Yeah. But the fact that he came out and said that that's what he's trying to do, but he's also trying to prove things I think is mm-hmm. a little bit different. Like he came out and said, yeah, we're making movies. Yeah. We're writing books. Yeah. We're doing this stuff, but we're also trying to prove these things in mm-hmm. the process. So I, I like that aspect about it. It's pretty, you know, he, there's Does a lot of stuff he, new come out or any new uh, info. Um, well, there's uh, a show coming out on, he's got a show yeah, coming on the history channel called mm-hmm. is it undisclosed or something that starts unidentified. In, yeah, unidentified so starts May, 30, May. Yeah. May 31st, um, unidentified. That's a, a huge celebration for a lot of people that are just, you know, involved in, um, the, uh, m- m- movement or agenda. I don't really know what, what you would really call it. I mean, anyone can. It's almost like being 
a, a fan of a certain football team. Yeah. You know? so have you ever noticed like, you know, your, your team wins the Super Bowl and everyone says we won. Right. We won. Or man, we've had a tough season. We've had a tough season. I don't remember you being on the payroll for the right. team, you know, sir. You know, but that's just kind of <laughs> you know that's this is what we do. We we affiliate with it. So um, I see to the stars academy being, or, you know, or to the stars in general is, is kind of the same thing. Anyone can kind of you know show their loyalty, or respect, or buy a T-shirt, stickers. Uh, well, you you can invest in the company, can't you? Yeah, you can. Know. Is it still um, open? Because I, I know that they had it like a window, but I don't know. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't know if they officially closed that off or not. It's um, the concept is uh, is like crowd share funding, like crowdfunding, uh, okay. share funding. Uh, Stephen Greer is doing the exact same thing right now. He's got a, a mini, a, sorry, he has a movie. I almost said video. He's got a video, a video, <laughs> a new concept, it's a, a video new age of shit, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this video. Whoa, yeah, he's got a video, a video, a movie <laughs> coming out. Uh, and he's doing some crowdshare funding now. So um, you know, you can um do a certain level and buy some tickets to the show and be a yeah, part it's going to be interesting. Gonna, I want to see what yeah. he has. Uh, oh, yeah. Done since that little, uh, that little bean was found Serious? out to just be a human that had tons oh, of yeah. different yeah. deformities and stuff. Yeah. Um, are you I not convinced? It. I mean, there was a lot of people that weren't convinced by like everybody that I saw in the comments was like bullshit after they came out and said it was a human baby or a fetus that had all these like, um, genetic defects and stuff that you know i i'm going to say that thing was creepy uh, looking though it looked like a evil tinkerbell <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that's great i love it it's the etv it's the evil tinkerbell <laughs> here, here it is here's evil there it, yeah it's a, <laughs> that thing will haunt your dreams man it's a it's fully developed human run. yeah <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I am. I'm going to um, militant atheist it and say that uh, given all the evidence, I no, you know, I'm not going to say given the evidence I have, I don't believe. It. I'm going. I'm going to say that I honestly, I don't know. Um, I I respect Dr. Greer, and he is showing his evidence, but I I don't have enough evidence contrary to say no. The only the only thing I could say is like he believes it's that, an alien, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the only thing yeah. I could. Say. The only the only argument I would have, or anyone would have, is to, to say you know that's total BS. I don't believe you, or to say oh yeah, an alien, an, uh, you know. Then and but that's the I'm getting so tired of that of people saying things like that. You know, like would we know though? Like I mean, genetically, obviously, we know what we are. But let's say something similar. Like how would we know that that it's not? You know, like that would be if, my argument. If it's similar, it, if it's similar, we but not the same. We right. would know that. Or let's say, for example, if we were going into the se the cells, or like uh, perfect example, man, like if if we were able to find the DNA, right? You know, it was not human DNA, you know. But this thing looks like a human. It's got arms and legs and a head. But and, how would that work too? So like we know DNA is being us like that's what yeah. we are so what's dna that's not us do you know what i'm saying like i, we, I have no idea we, i mean that, that's, that's what we that's it's almost like okay um 
Christmas morning, you expect to go down and see the Christmas tree looking a certain way and the presents are under the tree. But if you walk downstairs on Christmas morning and the tree is coming to the side of the wall and the presents are dangling from the tree from like ropes or something, you're like, that looks like <laughs> Christmas, but it's not. Right. You, you know, that's essentially what we'd be looking for. I don't know enough about the mole- the molecular structure of of you know deoxyribose and clarity right, right. you know other than like the double helix and i mean you know i knew it at one point i didn't commit it to memory i guess yeah yeah i i think that's essentially what what it would be um you know i mean there are claims that that there were bodies found from uh crash sites Right. Uh, you know, of extraterrestrials, whether they were like genetic clones or if they were actually like autonomous, like biological born. androids or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's the, with like the genetic clone. I think that's what, um, Philip Corso said, uh, Colonel L- Lieutenant Colonel Corso said, uh, they were like genetic clones. Yeah. I've heard that a lot. Cause it's like, why would you send, you know, a mm-hmm. physical being when you can send a robot that can re- relay everything, you know? Going back to your uh, spiritual connection, though, yeah. um, think about think about uh, this. Um, on b- based on the premise that everything is spiritual and physical, and that he let's just for for purposes of what I'm about to explain, let's just let's just believe that human beings occupy a very unique space between the physical and spiritual world even or realms even the spiritual realm has physicality and the way that we talk about it and define it we talk about like a soul you know you die and your spirit goes well what is the spirit what how can you see or perceive a ghost how you know it's because there are physical interactions we know for a fact there are colors the human eye cannot see there are sounds the human ear cannot mm-hmm. cannot hear we have other instruments or devices to allow us to observe more like in, intently or with more detail and accuracy. So even the spiritual is also physical. Therefore, let's say that there is a, a spirit um, who can interact in the physical realm. I know there, there are reports. People say that there are ghosts in a haunted place or something that will knock something off a wall or they'll, pull somebody's hair or interact somehow in a physical way, bumping up against the walls or whatever they're doing. I'm just based off reports. If those reports are true, then that means that the spirit can interact physically. Could the spirit interact enough to actually construct themselves a physical body in which they could inhabit? And then that goes into uh, like the movie avatar. Every, you know, what I just discussed sounds kind of creepy and scary, but then everyone sees the movie Avatar and they're mind blown, inspired to go to 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 make that decision, to major in that study in college. They're inspired to, you know, ask the girl out or whatever it is. They see this movie and they're like inspired for some reason. But that's the same the scientific side of it's exactly the same. I'm throwing my consciousness into some type to interacting into a physical world. So that could also be, I mean, hey, what are we doing with robots? The rovers on Mars, our scientists are, you know, behind cameras and with instruments operating and moving this thing like a video game, exploring Mars through cameras. Maybe that's what these things are. Maybe these are the rovers. And until 
you know, until lately, like our terminology for describing these reports and things that we hear. And again, that this is not associated with To the Stars. It's not associated with Neil deGrasse Tyson or anything. These are just things I've read and heard over the years, and I'm just offering an interpretation. So um, we're now saying that they, they may be AI, artificial intelligence. Until Siri and Alexa with the Amazon Echo, you know, people didn't really talk about AI like they do now. It's a household name, like literally, you know, no pun intended. Hold on one second. Alexa, what is artificial intelligence? The known artificial intelligence is usually defined as the capacity of a computer to perform operations analogous to learning and decision making in humans. And I'm going to kill you. <laughs> no, thanks. Okay. Anyways, yeah, I'm the. So I didn't know she was going to like ramble on, <laughs> ramble on as long as me, you know. Um, but yeah, essentially that it's like the way we describe things uh, changes over time. I mean, we people used to say that the you know UFOs, which people want to get away from the term UFO as well, um, that they uh, used to come from Mars. They were Martians, and then they came from another planet. And now they come from like another realm or another dimension. And now they come from another universe or another reality. And, and you know, it's like the, the way we describe it continues to change because we continue to change. But the, the reports are still the same. Like this week, the headlines have been like the Navy has been redoing its guidelines for how pilots can report. Um, interactions with unidentified aerial phenomenon because they're trying to reduce the stigma. You know, if, if there really is an unidentified aircraft out there, yeah, we need to know about it, mm -hmm. you know, and it reminds me, you know, going back to the, the spiritual thing again, it reminds me like there are times in which uh, security cameras will pick up what we would call or define or term like a ghost. Uh, knocking over chairs in a restaurant or doing this or that or turning the lights off and on or making a bunch of sounds. So if we're only going to go into physical evidence, only the physical evidence, I mean, look at that camera footage. That camera footage says someone is breaking into the restaurant at night. Someone's breaking into whatever establishment at night. That's a security risk. It could be a health insurance liability for the business, yet the police are never called. No one investigates. No one tightens security measures or battens down the hatches or puts extra alarms. Or, no one does anything. Right. But then they don't want to talk about it either. And that's what's going on with the unidentified aerial phenomenon. It's like, yeah, look, <laughs> you've got something that, you know, appears in the, the sky and flying around and interacting and doing whatever. I mean, it's an actual object. Radar picks it up. 80,000 feet above, you know, the sea level. Uh, this thing drops abruptly, like 10,000 miles an hour straight down, hovers 50 feet above the ocean waters until our F-16 fighter jets come to chase it. And it interacts and like the, the, the jets get closer and it's up and then, you know, does. And it's, 
and you don't want to talk about that. You don't want to report that. And like instantly, instead of looking at the actual physical evidence, which is like the radar returns, um, electro optical data. Um, I mean, I could rattle off a list. Well, of maybe, maybe they did report it. The government already knew about it, you know? Well, there, there were reports. They weren't taken seriously as a thing. I mean, instead of, you know, instead of looking at the actual physical evidence and trying to figure it out logically, it's like it gets laughed at and no one wants to take it seriously. But, and then people who are laughing at it, you know, like, well, you know, well, what do you think it is? And they'll say, well, that's probably China or Russia. Oh, right. oh, so then you're comfortable with them invading our airspace. You're essentially, you know, calling them our enemy and saying that they're invading our airspace and intimidating our pilots, but we should not, but we should laugh about it and right. not investigate. So it's like people contradict themselves sometimes. Um, at any rate, I feel like I'm rambling again. No, no, <laughs> you're good. <laughs> so the bottom line is we better get fucking worried about something here. Well, yeah. I mean, but why worry? Let's. I mean, my take uh, on this, it might not even yeah. be. We might be the evil ones. We're we're the ones blowing ourselves. Oh, I up think here. we are yeah. the evil ones. So I it's like, agree. why? You know, like if if anything, they might be pissed. Yeah, they might yeah. take it out on us for being such idiots and not, uh, um, you know, right. spreading the the true message, which would be like knowledge and love and, and enlightenment, yeah. like that that kind of stuff. And where I'm coming from, like with my work, is like some like right in the middle. Is it bad? Maybe. Is it good? Maybe. We honestly don't know. Until we actually investigate and figure it out, we don't know. But I want to know. I mean, if, if this is like some type, okay, we've got fear and we've got love, essentially, like the very basic human emotions here. On one side, we're afraid. On the other side, it's like peace, love, and prosperity. All feels good. What if it's something, what if it is a concept to remove ourselves completely from earth bias, something that that's not fear or love. And it's something that's not even in the middle. It's, it's a thought process or it's sure. a feeling that we totally don't know. Um, I was doing some yard work and I found all these earthworms, you know, they can't see me. I can see them. We have five senses. So is there a species or a civilization or a being or something out there that can perceive me, but I can't perceive it. Right. And well, it could probably perceive your vibrations, you know, cause I assume that's how they yeah. detect things or. Oh, you know. or yeah. But is, is there like, you know, another type of being oh, yeah. that can see me, but, or can perceive me in a way that I have no idea what what the sense is um for if anyone says no um well flies can see colors that i can't see what which of those colors am i radiating or resonating you know uh right. dogs can hear sounds i can't what types of sounds what does my what does my voice sound like to a dog that can hear things that i can't is there is there something you know, that about me that I, or any other human being I can't perceive. Um, again, going back to the spiritual side, uh, that would be, you know, God or angels or spirits or, right. or whatever you want to, to describe that as that would be the, the type of being that can perceive us and we can't perceive it. 
well, even imagining, like even trying to put yourself in somebody else's shoes or kind of mm-hmm. like, it's not, it's not even, even to, to try and do it, you're not doing it. You know, like you can yeah. only, you can't get out of outside your own consciousness. So like it's difficult, when, you, yeah. when you try and like, think of it, like, that's why people be like, you know, getting fights about like, Oh, Oh, you made a face or you did like, you don't exactly know what, you know, they're thinking, or even if they say something, did they say it with a certain tone? And it was that, well, there was a thought process behind it. So it's like, um, theory. That, of yeah. In, in that regard, we're all completely different. We're all different species mm-hmm. in a way, you know, that is true. It's, uh, and again, not to plug myself here, but the theory of mind as in, uh, I opened my most recent series with that's, that's exactly what, what you're saying is, uh, you know, you, you try to think what someone else is thinking. Or like someone makes a face and you think like, oh, he's doing that because of this or that. Right. But if you actually ask him, he's not. It could be something totally unrelated. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Exactly. And then that's that's really all we can do at this point is like at, at our level is to imagine, to investigate, to uh, reach out to each other and to other people. I was uh, fortunate to have the interview with Steve Justice from To the Stars. Um, I've got some other. Is things. that on your YouTube channel? Um, I a, a little bit. I put the the focus was the article, and I there were. A, I wrote my original draft. Like I wasn't exactly sure what direction I was going to go with it at that time, and. In the midst of me doing this article, that's when Ars Technica came out with this, the fake news. Well, they came out with their mischaracterized representation saying that to the Stars Academy was in debt $37.5 million, which is not true. Deficit and debt are different. Uh, quick math. You know, if I, let's say I, um, I take $100 of my own money and invest it into a business and that I plan to profit, you know, $25 and right. I don't, I mean, whatever I don't make over that line, that that's going to be my deficit. It doesn't mean I owe anybody anything. I might owe it to myself. Right. It right. basically means that like I, I didn't, you know, I, I overestimated what I needed to keep my business in operation or whatever my plans were. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's just a, a small example. I can't really speak on behalf of to the stars. At any rate, that came out. <laughs> um, thankfully, it was followed up and people proved it fake quickly. But there are still people that think it's true. Um, and then the um, uh, Strange Times series also got approved by T- TBS. And that, that came out during the development of the article as well. And that was a great thing to include there. So, I, you know, um, I... I had to do it as a report. My very first draft, looking back, sounds more like an essay. And you can totally tell that I'm, I'm biased. But again, uh, how I got involved in all of this is I, I'm tr- I was trying to find ways to communicate uh, these things to other people in ways that they weren't going to become afraid or laugh at me. You know, uh, Michio Kaku calls it the giggle factor. You know, when you mention aliens and stuff, people laugh. Right. So it was, um, you know, after ATIP, everything just got so much more serious, but there, I really couldn't find anybody else on board that wanted to be serious about it. So I kept, you know, talking, reaching and asking questions. And, uh, that led me to the, to the stars Academy. And, um, 
you know, thankfully it, it all worked out. I'm extremely grateful for that. But there were things in my original draft that, um, that were really good that, did, that um, like I shared it with to the stars. So they knew that those were things I was planning on including, but mm-hmm. just due to the fact that the, the Mensa Bulletin, number one is all volunteer. Number two, it's uh, it's not for profit. Number three, we have a limited amount of space. I had to cut a lot of stuff out. The main thing, like the 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 big kicker for me, the 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 thing I focused on that I wanted to get communicated was the very last question I asked uh, Mr. Steve Justice, and that was, you know, basically if all the obstacles to the Stars Academy. You know, if, if all the obstacles were gone and every goal of To The Stars Academy could be like instantly achieved, how would our world be better? And he, his answer like totally blew me away. It was, it was literally as if someone opened a window, allowed me to look into the actual future, and then the window was closed. And I was like, dang, hmm. I... The, the world needs to know this, man. That is so freaking awesome. So this is what he said. There were, there were, there were two things. He said that we're never going to get rid of like natural disasters and things like that, but we can change how we respond to a natural disaster. So on the cover of, um, let's see, what was it? USA Today, today, actually, April 25th, 2019, you've got uh, disaster relief stuck in gridlock. And this is talking about, um, you know, Puerto Rico, uh, mm-hmm. Puerto Rico feud as victims try to recover. Vic, you know, victims of Hurricane Maria, like well over a year later, are still trying to, to get over this natural disaster. So this is if, you know, for anyone who's not, not seen the video, this is what Steve said basically is um, this technology that we're developing. Like we have an insight into the physics of how this technology works, right? Um, and it, if all the obstacles are gone and every single goal could instantly be accomplished, what would we be doing with this technology? We could deliver supplies to disaster relief like South Florida with Hurricane Michael, uh, with Hurricane Florence, we hit the Carolinas, Hurricane Maria hit Puerto Rico, and we could deliver the supplies those people need instantly right where they're needed versus driving around the country to donation centers, loading all the supplies and, and stuff onto a truck, driving the truck to an airport, offloading the truck on from you know the cargo onto an airplane and flying it down to the location, unloading the the cargo from the airplane onto a truck and then driving the truck down to the location. And then on the way you've got down trees and power lines and flooded roads and the roads are closed and you can't get there. So it's like, you know, a week and a half, two weeks or so until these people get clean drinking water food, blankets, portable housing, shelter, and whatever they may need versus instantly right where they're needed. So like I'm, right. I'm just using my own imagination thinking of like a, a, hel- a helicopter landing pad, but instead of like, you know, for a helicopter, it's for like this, you know, super advanced uh, vehicle to land on. So I could hear like, you know, much like a train that's going to cross, you hear the sound ding, 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 ding. And everyone's like, okay, stop everybody. Get back. The bar is coming closed down. But then all of a sudden now, you know, maybe there's like a 
you know, because nothing this is unstable. There's some quantum quantum fluctuation mm -hmm. here, thanks to you know, Lawrence and Krauss, and then yeah. boom, and there's your machine, right, with mm -hmm. all these supplies on it. And he also said this. He said um, that in in the, the medical community, you have something called the, the golden hour when someone is uh, in a near fatal situation, whether it whether it be like a a car accident or a heart attack or a stroke or something. Doctors have about one hour to save your life. And um, half of the golden hour is getting the, the, the person to the hospital because of ambulance and car traffic. So um, they could get the patient to the hospital so much faster that way. And I realize that if an accident happens within a mile or less from a hospital, the odds are pretty good. And the odds of the person of the ambulance getting to the to the patient soon are good, but that's still not always the case. In very rare circumstances, an ambulance could be sideswiped by a car. You know, a drunk driver or someone not paying attention, or someone texting and driving on their phone. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, could hit the ambulance. Um, we don't know. There's also helicopter transportation. That's good too. Even so, if it's a very, very bad situation, I could envision, you know, if, if we can transport like all these supplies, we could probably transport people. What if we had a transportable operating room, like an OR, a TOR, a transportable operating room, and then wherever the accident is, like if you literally like can't move the car accident victim but, but, you know, I could, I just, you know, using my imagination, could, <laughs> this guy's head's about to explode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I, I could, yeah. Or, or whatever it may be. You say I could envision someone saying, if only we could just operate on him right here. If only we could just, yeah, if we, if we could just bring the operator right here, yeah. then we could move her from the car or something. Well, with this technology that might be possible. Um, I, I don't, I don't know crazy yeah but see and then he's telling me this and my mind's just i'm racing man like if you can deliver supplies you can deliver mail if you could deliver mail you can deliver amazon packages Ta -da. Right. <laughs> we've already been talking about drones for a while right yeah and this is this would be faster than this would this could be used in conjunction with the drones and you you could do uh, airplane flights man i mean right. you know do you want to fly a business class or do you want to just get there quick like in a second why would you want to fly like eight hour business class flight when you can just you know step into a type of aircraft wait 15 seconds for the door to open up again and then you're in your destination or or one second i mean i don't instant you know people say like instantly that's ridiculous well if i send you a text message and sometimes it arrives instantly you're like wow man that was fast I'm like instantly right. well i mean you know yeah there's a fractional amount of time you can measure it's not exactly instant but it looks like it's instant you know so i could see it being like that but he answered this question for me man i was like i mean do you know how how much that would improve our environment yeah i mean also from usa today this week you've got 
It looks like I subscribe to USA Today. I actually don't. <laughs> I just found these look interesting to me. Yeah. Um, humans pour 37 gigatons of carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases into the atmosphere annually. This is life after climate change. That was on Earth Day. Coincidentally, yeah. on Earth Day, I made an announcement on my, my website, which is uh, tillerforrealer.com, that I'm about to start doing a, a t shirt fundraiser. And 90% of all the funds are going to go to disaster relief in Puerto Rico, uh, in the Carolinas from Hurricane Florence, which is there's still a little recovery going on, and also South Florida from Hurricane Michael. And here's the okay. coincidence. Tom DeLong said there's no coincidence in the phenomenon. I don't know. One year before the interview with Steve, Hurricane Maria destroyed Puerto Rico. One month before the interview with Steve, Hurricane Florence hit the Carolinas. And that's actually one reason we had to postpone the interview was because uh, I live in the, the area of the Carolinas and I wasn't guaranteed internet or phone, you know, mm -hmm. so we had to skip that. And that was a, a, that was a month out. And then um, one week before the interview with Steve is when uh, Hurricane Michael hit South Florida. So we got one, one year, one month, one week. And then we talk about disaster relief. I also mentioned this in the part four of four of Unafraid to Investigate the Unexplained. Uh, 12 days after the interview with Steve talking about the golden hour, there was a school shooting near where I, where I live. And the, the young man involved, um, had he, uh, from the information that I have, had he arrived to the hospital sooner, he probably still would be with us. Uh -huh. I'm not, I'm not, not blaming the ambulance. Sure. I'm not, not blaming the medical community. I'm, I'm confident they did everything in their power that they could. However, if he could have arrived instantly, he'd still be with us. You know? Yeah. And, and that goes for all this stuff too. You know, people being able to bring revive people, you know, like even however many years ago when they didn't have uh, the paddles to uh, shock people and resuscitate them, oh, people, yeah. you know, not now you have people have heart attacks and you can, you know, do some things that you weren't able to do before. And people are having these experiences, you know? True. So. Yeah. I've found that people so often don't want to believe in the newest science for whatever reason it might be, especially if it's something they believe is like morally wrong, like the stem stem cell research didn't want to believe that uh, people for whatever reason in, in like 1990 didn't want to believe asbestos caused cancer for whatever right. it was. Uh, people are now not wanting to whatever about vaccines. I don't know. Um, it's a people don't want to believe science until they're, you know, at a life and death situation in a hospital or until a loved one has had a heart attack or a stroke. Right. And people don't want to recognize that religion has any role in society until a loved one passes away or they want to get married right. or they're about to have a baby. It's like, you know, wh what, what are we going to do with all these things that we think about as human beings? I mean, it's, it's like we, we contradict ourselves all the time. Right. Yeah. Mm hmm. Well, on that note, let's uh, wrap it up here. We're going to have you back. I think we should do part two of this because there's just so much other stuff to get to. Definitely. There's um, a lot. Yeah. They're, like, we could literally sit here and talk for hours. All this stuff's fascinating. Yeah. And I've definitely uh, 
been down this rabbit hole for a little while now, and I'm sure you have too. Yeah. Uh, but why don't you, you know, uh, plug your stuff real quick before we get out of here? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, you can find me on YouTube at Tiller for Realer. That's T I L L E R, the number four, and R I L L E R. It's a nickname a friend <laughs> gave me in high school. Like you know, I'm a Tiller for Realer. You know? <laughs> um, I like it. Yeah. So you got tillerforrealer.com too. Yeah, so on my website you can uh, follow. I'm on Twitter, uh, commenting about different things. Um, yeah, I'm trying to um, really like my where I'm going with all of this is drawing more attention to helping the environment, saving the people and and, and the planet. You know, right. saving the planet and its people is like is my 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 big goal, and simultaneously reducing the stigma and the fear among society, so that we can approach whatever unidentified aerial phenomenon means like whatever that means for anyone listening like i hope that we can approach approach it logically rationally and together just honestly just figure this thing out if all these things flying around the sky if they're a new species of pig okay man flying (laughs) pigs there we go but at least we know if that is so be it i just want to know you know that's that's it i want to know sure Well, this has been a super fun conversation. Like I said, let's get you back on here sometime in the next couple of weeks and we'll do part two of this because I think there's a lot of other stuff I wanted to hit on too. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, awesome, man. Well, thanks for coming on. And, uh, thanks we'll for see having you too. me. Yeah, yeah no problem. Yeah. All right. Awesome, man. Thanks, guys. Have Jeez. a good one, brother.